Amen. Are you excited this morning? It is almost Christmas. I keep forgetting it's Christmas Eve. Somebody said Christmas Eve Eve. I was so confused then too, yesterday. I didn't even know there was such a thing, but that's okay. The Lord knows. Amen. Let's continue to worship today. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you praise in this place. Hallelujah. For your goodness, Lord.
we honor you today. Lord, we thank you that when we read the accounts of Luke and of Matthew, we see that the lowest in society, the shepherds, those that had the lowest level of education, those economically that were in a, a difficult place, they came to worship you. We see in Matthew how those that were very educated, those that have vast resources also came to worship you. There is not a person on this earth that has ever lived or will live that, Lord, you are not worthy for them to worship. And so we stand here today and we give you worship because you deserve it, because it belongs to you, creator of everything, savior of the world. We adore you today. 
and we give you worship and praise and honor. We are grateful to be able to be in this place together, celebrating who you are in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. It is so good to see you today. Hey, could we take a few moments and just uh, spend some time saying hello to people behind you, next to you, but just take some time and greet this morning. God bless you. We honor you for today, for being able to be together, for being able to give together. Lord, there's something about when we do things together that's just different. And uh, as we give together as, a, as a, a group of believers, as a church, as a body of believers, Lord, I pray you'd bless this offering in a powerful way. We are grateful for the privilege it is to worship you in this way. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Pastor Brandon Lynn, thank you so very much. Appreciate that. What a great song. And uh, thank you to our worship team, too. People don't really know that Christmas time is actually one of the hardest times of the year to pick out songs. So you, you think it wouldn't be, 
but you're trying to use Christmas songs and not overuse some and mix in other songs. So Heather and your team, thank you very much for all that you do in the way of serving us on Sunday mornings with worship. Great job. Uh, a special thank you to uh, those that gave toward our Wilmington Head Start, uh, the, the gift drive that Joy Coleman had head up. And we were able to deliver those on Wednesday, which was a great joy to us and a great joy to those kids. So if you, if you were a part of that, just, everybody just put your hands together and just clap. That'll be good. Good job. Well done. So we appreciate all your investment that way. Again, as I had mentioned, in a few moments, we're going to be receiving the Fire Bible offering, and Pastor will talk a little bit more about that. Tonight, we have service. begins at 5 p.m. Everybody say 5 p.m. 5 p.m. 5 to 6. It actually might not go all the way to 6, just to let you know. It may be a little bit short, just a touch shorter than that. But at 5 o'clock it begins, and it's going to be a great night together. Uh, we are, we're going to enjoy just celebrating together. You're going to hear some of God's word, and you're going to get to light something up. We won't tell you what it is, but it's going to be a good night. That is tonight at 5. And then you're free to go. Maybe you have to head over to grandparents' house or whatever. Maybe you want to bring somebody with you tonight. Last minute, call them. Hey, I'm going to this tonight. Would you like to come? We would love to have you here this evening. And then also, this coming Friday is the family, uh, family fun night. Actually, f- f- first Friday night, okay? And uh, basically, it's this Friday night from 5.30 to 6.30. You're going to eat food. Students, Kids, parents, now parents, don't drop off your young kids, okay? If you, have, if you have middle school, high school, for you can bring them here if you can't make it. But don't drop off little kids, like bring them with you. Um, and come out this, for this coming Friday night, bring some food. We're going to have a great time of food between 5.30 and 6.30. Then from 6.30 to 8, this room is going to be filled with inflatables um, and all kinds of fun things to do. So for elementary age, they're going to have their own spot to do it. Students, middle school, high school will have our own spot to do it. At 8 o'clock, elementary school phase of the night ends, and you can take your kids home. Youth, we're going to stay. So anyways, that's coming this Friday night. Please come out. Again, bring, bring a food, bring a dessert with you, but that's Friday night. We're going to have a great time. And then January 7th begins our Back to Basics series uh, which is going to be our first series of the brand new year. And uh, that'll be, again, happening on the 7th. When you leave today, grab a ca- Who doesn't need a calendar, right? Who doesn't need a calendar to keep track of days, right? So just grab one. Maybe you bring it to your office or you grab one, your home office or your refrigerator or whatever. But get a calendar on the way out. God bless you and have a wonderful morning. Pastor Hans, get some, take a calendar. I really want to make him happy, okay? So. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, Fire Bible Offering. Once a year, Christmas time, we do this to help national pastors around the world, lay leaders around the world in developing nations who may not even have a Bible, but this is an incredible book. And before I say too much about it, I want to go ahead and show the video about it, and then we'll come back.
Uh, I was given a Fire Bible at the beginning whenever it was first launched and it wasn't even fully available yet here in Vietnam, but I still am not able to read Vietnamese. And so I had this incredible resource in my hands and I just thought, I need to give this to someone who can use it. And my good friend Elizabeth here, her mother is a pastor here in Lam Dam province and, and I gave the Bible to her. And here's the thing with the Fire Bible in Vietnam, it is the first study Bible of any kind that has been translated into the Vietnamese language. So you have all these pastors with these limited resources, but the Fire Bible, as you know, has all these incredible study helps. And she began to share with me how, how helpful this Bible had been for her, how much she loved it. But then she began to share with me how, how the people around her, they literally created a sign-up sheet as to who had the Bible, what hours, on what day, and then others of them would be taking photos of the different pages in the Bible with their phone so that they could go home and read it at night. And so then it was even more amazing after hearing this story to be able to say to them, we brought a hundred Bibles here for you. And I wish you could have been there to have seen the joy on their faces because some of them told me, oh, we've been saving up. We've been wanting to buy a Bible. Now we don't have to fight anymore over this Bible. So the Fire Bible, just in this small area of Vietnam, has already made an incredible impact. Thank you. Thank you for giving the Fire Bible. Thank you for investing the finances and the time and the energy to, to give the Fire Bible to the Vietnamese people in their own language. I love my Fire Bible. It's kind of a strange name, isn't it? The Fire Bible. And I won't get into the whole history of it, but it's because that's what they called it when we first got it into China, the Fire Bible, because it was just, it put that much enthusiasm into the hearts of local pastors. So anyways, it's Christmas time, and I'm just asking you if you would with that envelope, if you could possibly, just $10 buys one Bible for one pastor. And if we could all do that, that would make a difference. That would really bless pastors, not only in Vietnam, but in other countries where we're finally got translations into those languages. 67 different languages right now, and we're continuing to add more. So we're going to pray in a moment, but um, if, you know, if you could give something today, that's great. If not, you can go to our website, and there is a giving button for the Fire Bible. Appreciate your help. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to buy a Christmas present for someone that we may never meet, at least not this side of heaven. Lord, maybe, maybe someday in heaven we would meet them, and somehow there'd be a memory of how they received this incredible gift. But Lord, I do pray now your blessing on each one of us as we give to this cause. Lord, I pray that you would bless the pastors and the lay leaders who would receive one. Lord, that you would just, Lord, just, just excite them with this tremendous blessing of a true study Bible in their own native tongue. Lord, I pray your blessing again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Hey, Merry Christmas to you. I've, I've said that to some of you just this morning, but not all of you. Merry Christmas, all of you, on this beautiful spring morning. I love it. Oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus. We sang, we sang some songs today about God's goodness. Yes, I mean, that rain I heard this morning early, it was rain and not that other stuff. But tonight is the night. Tonight's the night. We're getting together again this evening to celebrate our annual Christmas Eve service. And as Pastor Ron has already told you, it's 5 o'clock. Remember, it's not 5.30 like some Sunday nights uh, just a couple weeks ago for our our annual adult Christmas dinner. It's 5 o'clock tonight, just a one-hour service. There's no child care. We really want all, I want our families to be here all together this evening. So actually, this afternoon. It's this afternoon. So I hope to see you again this afternoon. Anyways, this morning, as you saw in the video and it's already mentioned, I'm going to continue with our Christmas series, The Names of Jesus. And it's taken from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And so I want us to start out just by reading that one single verse. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, as you know, each of us pastors have chosen a name that we decided we'd want to preach on. Pastor Hans kicked it off, and then last week was Pastor Brandon. Today, I'm going to be speaking about his name as the Everlasting Father. And the beauty of this topic overall is that each of these names, in case you didn't notice this over the past couple of messages, each of these names are loaded with theology. Now, that word itself may not excite you. It does me as a pastor. But they are filled with good, basic, biblical doctrine. They're significant concerning what we believe about God and what we believe about Jesus specifically. And my choice for this morning, Everlasting Father, has at least two important elements of sound doctrine contained right within that name. I mean, it may not seem significant to you yet, but I'm going to try to explain this to you. Everlasting Father. I first want you to think about, though, the importance of a name. The importance of a name. I mean, we all have one. We have a given name or a first name, and then we have a surname, the, the, the last name of our father in most cultures. And, and usually there's a healthy pride in our name because our name has meaning, our name has significance. Now, I know almost any, any lineage, if you go back far enough, you're going to see some rascals in there. You know, if you even look at Matthew chapter 1, Jesus' lineage, Rahab the harlot, hello? I mean, part of his family. And I know some of you, though, well, you know, overall, we're pretty proud of our lineage. We're pretty proud of where we've come from, our last names, and what our parents may have named us. I mean, I myself, I grew up in a town that was, at best estimate, at least 70% Italian descent. And I was proud that my last name was Italian. I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to be, I wouldn't have wanted to be English or Irish, or even French. I mean, the majority of my town was Italian. And if you weren't Italian, you were kind of, you know, on the out. I was proud of my father's lineage. And I was proud to be named after my uncle, my father's brother, Miguel, Michael. And they called him Mickey. I honestly liked my first name. And then after I became a Christian, I, I found out the meaning of my name. Its origin is Hebrew, and in Aramaic, it is Mikael. Really, three words, three syllables. Mikha, meaning who is. 
And El is the name for God in the Old Testament. Who is like God? Petrucci, my last name, I've been told, is connected to the Greek word petros, meaning stone. Like Peter. Peter, the rock. Jesus spoke to him and mentioned, he's changing his name from, from Simon to Peter. And so Petrucci has something to do with a stone, possibly like the apostle Peter, whose name meant stone. Anyways, when my wife and I had children, we considered a serious task to name our children. It was really something we gave a lot of thought about. We believed that names were significant. And so when our firstborn arrived around Easter time, we decided to name her Resurrection Joy. And so she was given the name Anastasia, means resurrection in Greek, Anastasia Joy. And then our second child came along and we gave him my first name. But I didn't want to have a junior in the family. And so we gave him a middle name of Joseph, which means God will add, God will increase. And then our, our third child came along soon after Christmas time. And so we gave him the name Nicholas. Doesn't that make sense around Christmas time? <laughs> but it means victory of the people, victory of the people. And his middle name, Sebastiania, named after my father, means venerable or revered. And so, you know, those are good names. And I feel like they're good name choices. And, and you know, they come out with a decent nickname. No pun intended. Well, there was a pun intended. But the last thing that we would ever do, and I know you would never do this, is name your child Ichabod. Even, how many know what the name Ichabod means? Okay. It means, look at that. Most of you don't. But you still wouldn't use it. Hey, Icky, you know. I mean, that, even the nickname's not good. But it means the glory of the Lord has departed. Can you imagine naming your child Ichabod? <laughs> or Judas? Or for a girl? <laughs> Jezebel. Does anybody know anybody named Jezebel? I, I just, I hope that name never gets used. There are just some names that really carry a rather loaded connotation, don't they? And people do sometimes have a prejudice against certain names. Or they connect a certain behavior with, with certain children with certain names. I mean, certain children, certain names have a reputation. And I'll be honest with you, during my boyhood years, Michaels and Jeffries were known to be all-out trouble. Yet they were the most popular names. Really, I'm telling you, Michaels and Jeffries had a reputation. And let's not forget the reputation and the meaning of the oldest Bible names for a boy, like Jacob. Sorry to our Jacobs today. But you know what Jacob means, right? It means heel grabber. And he was a real nemesis of his twin brother Esau until God changed his name. So Jake and Jacob, we're going to work on changing your name. But this is what I want to think about this morning. Names have significance. Names can signify character. I, let me just, you know, really, I got to get this out. You guys are not heel grabbers, and I love you a whole lot. So, just to make that clear. But names can signify character. At least they did in Bible days. And so what I've noticed so often in the Bible is that God will sometimes, he'll give a new name to a person signifying that there has been a change in their character. A new name to better define who they are, who God is going to change them into, along with that name change. 
Even the very first humans had a name change. Adam was first known in the Hebrew Bible simply as Ish. And, and, and the first woman was Isha. He is then named, called Adam, son of the red earth. Isn't that a better description? God took him of the earth and formed him with his own hands. Adam, son of the, of the red earth. And her name, Isha, became Eve, which means mother of all living. Much more descriptive. Each one truly describing who they were. A little while later in, in the Old Testament, we read about Abram and Sarai. Abram meant exalted father. But his name later gets changed to Abraham, which of course means father of all nations. And that comes to pass. Sarai's name meant princess, but it's changed to Sarah, which means mother of nations. And as we know, God gave both of them the promise of bringing forth descendants more numerous than the sands on the seashore. And I'm not sure they understood what that meant. I mean, you know, there, there's not a great number of Jews in our world today. But you know what? You and I, according to Scripture, are part of the lineage of the Hebrews. We're, 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 we're related to Abraham because of our faith in Christ. And, of course, their names reflected that promise that he would be the father of many nations, not just one nation, not just one people, the Jews, but many, many people. And then years and years go by, and the promise seems elusive. You're, you know the story. They have no progeny. Both Abraham and Sarah have given up on God's promise of a child. And after being barren for most of their lives, all of a sudden, three visitors arrive at their tent. This is a great story. And one of them asks Abraham, where's your wife, Sarah? And when she comes out, one of the men says to her, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. I want us to look at the rest of the story. Reading from Genesis 18, verse 10. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. And so Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? And then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? And say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I'll return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied. She said, I didn't laugh. But, she, but he said, yes, you did. <laughs> Isn't that great? That stuff went out thousands of years ago. And as we know, about a year later, they have a son, and they name him Isaac, which means one who laughs. Isn't that great? Just a reminder to Sarah, you laughed, you got caught, busted. And your son's name is going to be one who laughs. See the significance that can be contained in a name? And now back to Jacob. Sorry, guys. Um, the heel grabber, the usurper. They, he, lived, he truly lived up to his name, as you know. He became an opportunist. He took advantage of his twin brother. He stolen his birthright, or at least he purchased it for a bowl of stew, and eventually there comes a day of reckoning. Jacob finds himself in a rather vulnerable situation where he assumes his brother is poised for revenge. His brother is coming at him, and he's concerned. And so he sends his family across the river where they'll be safe. He tells them to go over there to set up camp, and he camps alone 
on the other side of the river. He camps at night near the river Jabbok. And here's what it says in Genesis 32, verse 22. It says, that night Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And after he sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be heel grabber, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And so you see, Jacob's old name is changed. He's got a new character. He has a new destiny. And his new name means wrestled with God. And, and I don't know how you interpret that, but wrestle with God, isn't that a good thing? There are times where you have wrestled with God. I mean, if you're a believer, there's, there had to have been some times in your past where you and God had it out. I'm sure God won. I hope God won. But you learn the value of wrestling with God over situations in your life, things you were facing, decisions you had to make, things you had to overcome. You wrestle with God and you became victorious as he made you victorious. Well, I, I do want to get to Jesus and, and his names. But just before we get there, I just want you to think about a couple others, this time from the pages of the New Testament. One, one of the big name changes in the New Testament would have to be Saul of Tarsus. Amen? I mean, what a reputation. This guy is arresting Christians, making sure that they're tortured and put to death. His name gets changed to Paul following his conversion. The Damascus Road experience, the Lord blinds him and then leads him to salvation. As I previously mentioned, Peter means rock. And we have, there are other, there are other characters like Barnabas in the New Testament, whose name means sons, son of encouragement. And Timothy, whose Greek name was Didymus, which means twin. Names have meaning. And now finally, Jesus, which in the Hebrew is Yeshua. It means to deliver. The name Yeshua means to deliver, to rescue. And I want us to read what Matthew had to say about this. This is from the first chapter of Matthew, verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her privately, quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Yeshua. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Look at what we just read. The angel says his name will be Yeshua and he will save his people. He'll rescue his people. He will, he will deliver his people from their sins. Exactly the meaning of his name. He was obviously appropriately named. And as we know, he fulfilled the purpose for which he was named. We know that now. And so now look at, look at, look at one of his names from Isaiah 9, 6. This is my choice for today, everlasting father. Everlasting father. This is very interesting. Jesus in this verse 
is called the Father, everlasting Father. And yet we know that he's the Son. That might seem like a contradiction. But as Trinitarians, you and I, as people who believe that God is one God but three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, why is he called everlasting Father in this verse? And believe it or not, the answer is really simple. That's why we'd probably just overlook it. What God is saying through the prophet Isaiah is that Jesus is, first of all, eternally existent. And what this means is that he has always existed. Secondly, he is referred to here as the everlasting father because he is of the very same substance as God the Father. You see, in Christianity, we don't worship three gods. We worship one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is the same God. Jesus and the Father are one. He says that even in Scripture. They're one. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. They're the same. They're the same substance. And trust me when I tell you this, but, but that, that whole concept has been challenged for hundreds and thousands of years by every, every kind of heresy that's ever arrived. Usually centers around this. Ever since Jesus ascended to heaven and, and, and to sit at the right hand of the Father. I mean, over centuries and millennia, false teachers have repeatedly and grossly misrepresented Jesus by denying his deity. And they do that by ignoring verses like this one out of Isaiah. You see, we need to remember that Jesus is eternally existent. He has always been. He's always been. He's always existed. He was not created He was God and he is God and he will forever be God. And the only reason anyone would wrongly assume that Jesus had not existed for all time is because he lived in the form of a man for a limited number of years. And that, as we know, is because he had a specific purpose. To rescue us. Yeshua, Jesus. His purpose was to rescue us, to save us. And as we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating a time when God took the form of man in order to die for the sins of man. But the Word of God tells us that Jesus always was. I need to stress that to you. He always was. He existed before he came to earth, and he will exist when there is a new earth and a new heaven. And that's because he's part of the Trinity. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. And the word in this situation, the word that's used for word is logos, which represents Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. That's how it translates. He was with God in the beginning. And verse 14 of that same chapter, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And, you know, just in those two verses, we see that Jesus is God. He's always been God. He's always existed. Yet for a period of time, he became flesh and dwelled among men. But he's everlasting. And he and the Father are one. And as I already mentioned, and this is, he said it many, many times. Jesus said many times to his disciples, to those around him. I'm just going to give you one reference so you'll have it. John 10, verse 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. 
We are the same. We're one. What an incredible reality. The only true God, the only God who exists today has always existed. And as John tells us in his gospel, he was the light that came into our dark world. He left the glory of heaven to come into our sin-filled world in order to rescue us, to be Yeshua, to be Yeshua, to be the rescuer, to be our savior. And we celebrate his arrival today and tomorrow by celebrating Christmas. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for the truth of your word. Jesus, that you have always been. You weren't created and sent to this world. But you've always been. You've always existed. You were in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 when the Holy Spirit brooded over the waters and creation began. As we read in John chapter 1 verse 1 and, and, and other verses in John, nothing was created without you. Without you, Jesus, because you and the Father are one. And we declare that today, that you, Lord Jesus, are an everlasting God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are the everlasting God. And we thank you that your name was Yeshua, the Savior, the Rescuer, the Deliverer. And you fulfilled that purpose. And right now, as we're just praying, everyone in a spirit of prayer, no one looking around, let me ask you, is there someone here today? You may be just visiting here today. You're a guest of ours today. Someone invited you or you came in off the street. But do you know Jesus as your Savior? That's why he came. That's why this eternal God took the form of man and gave his life for us so that we could live eternally with him. He wants us to live with him forever. And I just wanted to just even one person here this morning say, Pastor, I do not know for sure that heaven will be my home. And I want to believe that Jesus is my Savior. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand where you're seated this morning? I don't want anyone looking around. I'll be looking around. But is there even one to say, Pastor, that's me. I want to ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart to be my Savior, to come into my life. Lord, we just thank you, God, for your presence in this place. We thank you for your word as we've heard it this morning. And Lord, I thank you for the wonderful, incredible gift of salvation because of what you, Yeshua, Jesus, have done. We give you thanks this Christmas Eve day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. Again, a reminder, service begins at 5 tonight. Hope to see you again. Father, I pray your blessing now upon your people. Lord, I, I, I just pray a, a real special time tonight as we gather again to recognize once more your gift. Father God, sending your son into this world to rescue us. Lord, I pray your blessing in each one of our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless. Merry Christmas.